it's Diane, the Lactation Consultant with the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And Diane, do you have our review of the week? I do. Yay. All right. Let me tell you, this is from Allie Becker, who says, this show is so empowering. I love this podcast. It got me through the darker days of nursing my newborn, who is four months old now and thriving. This is the kind of content that new mamas need in their lives. Thank you, Allie, for the Thank support. Thank you, Allie. That's so wonderful. Yes. I'm and glad congratulations. We were, I know. I know. And I'm so glad that we were helpful to you. Um, and for some reason, when she says it got me through the darker days, I was thinking yeah. of um, those overnight nursings. And being up all night with oh. your baby. Because we've had a lot of people say, I listen to you during those, you know, long nights sometimes where we're not sleeping or I'm rocking the baby or whatever, doing a lot of nursing overnight. Um, so that's just kind of what I thought of. And, you know, however you listen and however it gets you through, I am really, really grateful that you found us. So. Yeah. And it's, it can be so isolating in the beginning, oh you know, where you're just like, if you, you're just there in your house by yourself. It's dark or it feels dark. I mean, I remember, mm-hmm. yeah, with Jack, like, even during the day, it felt dark. Oh, my gosh. Like, so it alone. was just my mood, my, you know, my emotional state. It just felt dark all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Allie, and thank you for your support. Awesome. And today, we are going to be talking to Erica and if you remember, we had a photo contest. I think it was last month or the month before now. But um, we had thousands and thousands of votes. Oh, my gosh. And Erica was one of the top three winners. And she is the mom in the um, in the contest. You might remember her photo. She was um, breastfeeding twins at Target. And people, it just really resonated with people. People just went nuts about it. And so it was really exciting. I got to talk to her and let's hear from her. Awesome. Let's hear. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Abby. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. You um, have, uh, you submitted a photo to the photo contest that resonated with so many people. Um, you, I would love to know a little bit because in the photo you were breastfeeding twins. Correct. Okay, so tell us, tell us, like, where, you know, what's your, how many kids do you have? Like, where do you live? Yeah, so um, my name is Erica. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I only have the two. Um, but I got pregnant with twins um, first go around, and it's safe to say I will not be having any more kids. Um, I love them to death, but it is a handful. So, yeah, I'm good with just the two. Well, yeah, two for one. I mean, then that's kind of a deal. What's it like having kids in New York? I mean, you were probably born and raised in New York, right? No, actually, I'm oh, okay. in California. I ah. came to New York for graduate school um, back in 2012. And um, I stayed um, even after I graduated with my PhD. And so I um, I live in Brooklyn now. It's been, I think, three years um, coming from a suburban upbringing, it was kind of something I never expected to be raising kids in the city, but I really, really, really love Brooklyn. And, um, I think it's a great place to raise children. Um, 
you know, they're still really young, so I don't know how I'm going to feel about that when they enter school age. But right now, um, I really do like it. There are so many um, different resources available for new parents and just multiples moms and um, just all sorts of support groups out there um, that make themselves very available in like a city type area as opposed to the suburbs, I think, yeah. um, because, you know, we live almost on top of each other. And so we're always trying to find ways to um, just get together and network and if nothing else, just talk to each other about how we feel like we're going crazy at home. Yeah. So I really like it. <laughs> yeah, actually. No, yeah, that's true. There's so many people that you would just you would be able to, to, to like network. I'm, I've talked to so many moms who live like, you know, like in rural areas. Right. And they're like, I don't know anybody, you know, yeah. my neighbor, my neighbor's five miles down the road. Right. Right. That's- yeah. It's different when you live in an apartment building. Um, in our apartment building, for instance, um, we have the only twins in the building now, but when I found out I was pregnant with twins, um, there was another family there who had twins and I just couldn't wait to talk to the mom and just pick her brain on just different things that I was thinking. And um, yeah, so it's interesting living in in like the city and you're living in apartments and like you had just more access, I think, to just other people and their stories and their experiences. Yeah, that's great. Do you have like a network, like a, you know, did you know people when you got pregnant? Did you know other like parents? So um, of my immediate closest friends we um I have like three best friends um one of which already has a son her son is now four years old and I was around for um like all of that from when she found she was pregnant and um I was she recently moved out of state but I kind of used her as my go-to just for different things like for instance when it came down to figuring out um, which breast pump I was going to order. I just ordered what she had and like some other supplies was like, oh, Michelle had this, so I'm going to get that. Oh, that's um, great. I knew that she used these things. They worked for her. She was successful. Um, but yeah, I don't really have many other friends who have young children. Um, I have one other friend who has twins. And so when I was pregnant, I definitely asked her some questions. But yeah, um, that makes a difference, but since I don't have as many friends with kids, I've definitely reached out to just different networks on Facebook, things like that. Yeah. Well, and I'm dying to know, you said you have a PhD. What is your PhD in? It's in applied behavior analysis. Um, It's kind of along the lines of a special education field. And so I primarily work with kids um, and adolescents with autism. Oh, wow. Oh, thank you for doing Mm -hmm. that work. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I really do. I've been doing it for quite a while now and um, it's what gets me up in the morning and you know it, it's been a long road like I said you know doing my PhD so of course that was a lot of schooling but um, I really do love it so I feel like it's very rewarding. Yeah so do you do you so you work? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's that's so so um let's go back to the let's go back to the pregnancy so how did you have a good experience did you I did um so I first of all um it was a multiple pregnancy which was a shock for me it was a shock yeah. for um my fiance it was a shock for everyone in my family 
Um, but it was an extremely healthy pregnancy. I'm very grateful for that. Um, I have no complaints. I had a phenomenal OBGYN. It took some time to find her. I actually um, was searching for quite some time, just trying to find the right OBGYN. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, now even in 2019, a lot of Black women are dying in childbirth or immediately following childbirth. Absolutely. And, yes. There's a very yeah. high, um, yes. I mean, a CDC, I think, reports like 250 times percent more likely to yes. um, die. And so that was always in the back of my mind. And so when I found out I was pregnant, um, it was just, I wanted to make sure I had a really good doctor. Um, and then when I found out that it was twins, um, even though I was healthy before pregnancy um, and I didn't have any history of any other conditions or nor did my mother or my mother's mother, you know, still concerned about, you know, they call it, they consider it a high risk pregnancy when it's a multiple pregnancy. So yeah. all these thoughts are in the back of my mind where I'm like trying to make sure I find a good physician. And so um, I actually had, I found one physician. I was really um, hell bent on finding a black woman doctor just because I wanted to make sure that someone would hear me out. Um, Cause a lot of times that's what it is. It's just, you know, for whatever reason, our concerns aren't, aren't treated as seriously and things like that. So Absolutely. I spent time trying to find a doctor. The doctor that I had for my first trimester it actually didn't work out for me. Um, so I eventually found another physician who specialized in multiple pregnancies as well. Um, and she happened to be a black woman doctor also. She also delivered out of the hospital I wanted to deliver out of. And so that worked out really well. And so my pregnancy, I remember in the first trimester, I remember just thinking that there was something like, there was more things that I needed to be doing. And my first appointment that I had with my new doctor, which was actually the first week of my second trimester, um, she already set me up with a nutritionist because I was worried that I wasn't gaining any weight. I was losing um, some, I lost like maybe like 12 pounds in my first trimester. Oh. And, um, like I said, I was healthy, but I was a little concerned. She's like, let's set you up with the nutritionist. And I was like, wow, okay, you can do that? Great. And, you know, then she was like, well, we also want to get you set up with, um, we want you to start taking low-dose aspirin just to prevent um, preterm labor. And I was like, what? And I remember at that moment, I was in the office with my fiance, and she was like, all right, let me go get you the prescription. And she walked out of the room, and I just looked at him, and I just started crying. Oh. And he was like, what? what? Like, what's wrong? And it was like tears of joy. I was relieved that I finally felt like I was with the right doctor just because she was just as concerned about my health as I was. And then I also, in the back of my mind, felt bad for all the other women who, you know, who didn't know that they could ask to see a nutritionist or who might have been at risk for preterm labor, but their OBGYN didn't suggest that they um, take low-dose aspirin and um, things like that. So it was a bittersweet feeling, but I, at the end, I was extremely happy with my OB. Um, another concern with multiple pregnancies, a lot of times you're concerned about having a C-section. And um, my friend that I was telling you about, Michelle, she had a C-section 
and um, she really wanted to have a vaginal delivery and it just, it didn't work out. She did everything in her power and it didn't work out. And like I said, I was around um, in the months following her delivery and the recovery was so difficult to watch and I could only imagine what it was to experience. And so in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't want a C-section. I don't want a C-section. That the recovery could go so many different directions. And so, you know, I was hell-bent on having a vaginal delivery and my doctor was on board with me. Um, and so I did end up having a vaginal delivery and um, I was really pleased with that because, I mean, I'm not old, but I'm 30 now. And so I think that um, had I been in my early 20s, delivering twins might have been a little different, but recovering from that vaginal delivery was enough for me. I couldn't imagine if I had to recover from a C-section as well. Yeah, yeah. That's so, I'm so glad that you were able to advocate for yourself and find those resources. Yeah. And you mentioned the uh, mortality rate of black women in um, childbirth. Right. And, and, and so if people listening don't know this, yeah. um, the, the, in the black community, women dying at a very high rate yeah. of, um, during um, pregnancy and birth. And this is really tied to a lack of resources. Yeah. And a lack of support and, you know, access to good medical care. Yeah. And you were, you were able to, to kind of advocate for that and find that, um, mm -hmm. and that, you know, thank God. Um, but, but there are so many people that, that just don't have it and they live in communities where it's, they don't have access to it. It's not provided. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause that's something that, um, that I we need to talk about more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, we just need to have the conversation more. We need to just make sure that um, just women in general um, across all ages are just aware of, you know, what they should be looking out for. And then, you know, I think a lot of times what happens is specifically for black women, um, we might be complaining of pain, but maybe we're not describing it in the way that the doctors are expecting to, um, it to be described. Um, there was an author whose um, essay I was reading, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she actually, um, she lost her baby um, at about 23 weeks, which was before that age of viability. But it was primarily because when she kept describing the pain that she was having, she described it as pain in her butt. And, you know, the, the nurses were like, is it your back? And she was like, no, it's my butt. And so they kind of sent her home, come to find out she was actually in labor. Um, again, she was 33, oh. I'm sorry, 23 weeks. Um, but yeah, she was in labor for a few days like that. And so she, unfortunately she lost her baby. But um, it's something very simple as that, where it's like she, you know, she was getting the prenatal care. She was seeking the, the, um, physicians and nurses and unfortunately it was something as simple as not describing the pain the way that they expected her to that just resulted in her not getting um the right care and then unfortunately losing the baby um so let's talk about um let's talk about your breastfeeding so the so the so the exact same thing that we were talking about about um the um lack of resources for black women for um 
you know, um, pregnancy and birth applies to breastfeeding too. Um, and, uh, so what was your experience just as far as, you know, did you always want to breastfeed? Did you, did you, I have so many questions, but like, did people around you breastfeed? Did you see breastfeeding? So I, I think until my friend Michelle had her baby, I was kind of like, you know, I could do it. I can go either way. Like I can breastfeed, but if I don't, that's fine. And I think that just comes from the fact that, um, I was not breastfed. My mother didn't breastfeed me or my sister. My grandmother didn't breastfeed my mother or her sister and so on and so forth. And there's a lot that's related to that. And um, I think it goes, comes down to cultural things. It comes down to um, just the time in the U.S. and like when they're pushing for formula versus breastfeeding and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But it wasn't until my friend Michelle was um, very persistent about breastfeeding. Um, she's vegan, and so she really didn't want her son to be fed formula. So she was like, I'm going to breastfeed no matter what. And I saw her do it and I saw her be successful with it. She breastfed her son, I believe until he was three, not exclusively, of course, um, but she was successful. And that kind of gave me hope that, yeah, I can do this. And, you know, so many times I've had conversations during my pregnancy before I even attempted to breastfeed with people who just kind of were like, well, you know, they're probably not going to get enough from your breast milk or, you know, how do you oh. know that you're not going to be hungry? And, you know, what if you don't produce enough? And just all these things that they were trying to put in my head before I'd even attempted. And so um, that was one of those things that just kind of was like, I have to block all of this out because I know that if my body naturally conceived these twin boys, my body can feed these twin boys. My body is all that they need. And so I just continue to just think about those thoughts. I read like affirmations during my pregnancy and even postpartum. And um, I was really serious about breastfeeding. I took classes um, up, up until labor and delivery. And um, I even had a postpartum doula who assisted me with um, just some of the basics with my breastfeeding. She taught me how to pump, which is like, even though it's not, I mean, looking at it now, because I pump every day, so it's not as difficult as it, I thought it would be, but something as simple as having her show me how to set up my parts and, you know, where everything goes and how to use my pump and things like that. It was- Pumping is so hard and people yeah. don't, like, you just go into it, people, and they're just like, oh, you need a pump. And you're like, well, how, what, okay, I'll just stick it on my boob and then just hope it right. works. Like, there's really, like, an art to it. Like, you have to learn how to do it. Right. That and is so awesome that somebody actually thought to, like, teach you that. Right. And I remember when I was in the hospital, so- I delivered my boys um, at 9.14 and 9.28 p.m. And I wanted to nurse immediately after. But unfortunately, I, um, I had a third degree tear that needed to be um, stitched up as well as um, I, was, I delivered in the operating room. Even though I delivered vaginally, I delivered in the operating room. So the boys actually went back to the mother and baby room before I did. They went there with my fiance and I was still on the table um, getting my stitches. And so once I got to the room, I wanted to try and breastfeed. And so I'm sure you've seen, and I don't know if you've tried it, but if you try and breastfeed immediately after, there's this amazing moment where the baby 
basically crawls up to your breast. Mm, and just yes, the breast them. crawl. Yes. Yeah. And so I had, I was like, I want to do that. You know, I've seen all these videos and when we took our breastfeeding classes, they showed it and I was like, we're going to do that. And so I tried to do it with both of them. Um, it didn't quite work with both, but um, I was able to get one baby latched on. And so I breastfed a little bit that night and then I actually didn't try and breastfeed again until the next like morning. Um, like when I say next morning, I mean like after 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. At some point after like 11 p.m., I knocked out and I didn't wake up. <laughs> and so I remember the lactation consultant came in and was like, okay, so how many times have you nursed? And I was like, when she came in, it was like maybe early in the afternoon. So I'd only nursed a couple times, like maybe twice. And she's like, oh my gosh, you need to nurse each baby eight times before the 24 hour period. And so she completely freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, my babies are starving. Mind you, they were just in the bassinets right next to me, completely calm and fine. But I was freaking out that they didn't have enough and they really wanted me to then give the babies formula or, or for me to use the hospital grade pump. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try the pump. And they didn't even show me what to do. She gave me this huge pump that was like, I mean, at that point I was sitting in a chair and it was taller than I was. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so I was like, okay, I think this goes here. And I was Googling it. And then um, I tried to call her again, but I think she was with another patient. It was a lot. And so I was setting up, like I was sitting with the pump for like 20 minutes and it was pumping my boobs and nothing was working. And then I just gave up and I was like, this isn't working. And so um, I just kept trying to nurse and Eventually, I think the babies did get some formula in the hospital that day. Um, but all I say all that to say that the pumping part at that moment in the hospital, it was, again, it was the day after they were born. It stressed me out. And so when I had my lactation consultant come, I was like, yeah, can you show me how to use this pump? Because I don't know what these little funnels do or this little white membrane piece like I don't know what this is can you please help me so I'm really grateful that I did have my postpartum doula to help me just with that part because that was life-changing for sure yeah doulas are so awesome they just really provide so much they really fill in those holes that get lost like in the you know in the hospital protocol they're moving so fast and they just do things like kind of like a factory line like okay now you go here now you go here here's your pump here's your whatever and then you know a doula can really be like all right wait right. you know we skipped over this part or we you know we need a little extra attention on this part yeah so you had so you had actually so you knew because when I was pregnant uh-huh. um I had never heard of a doula right so you sound like you are really prepared. Like you really knew, uh, you even knew of the breast crawl. Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> like um, you had like learned and taken the time to really like educate yourself, which, you know, I guess I thought I did, but I didn't have any of like, really didn't know all of that. Well, it was, I think it really goes back to my friend Michelle because Aww. she really was like, okay, well you need this, you need that. And she actually set up an email address for me um, with like, it's all baby stuff. And I still use that today for like anything that I need to subscribe for the babies. But um, she set up an email account for me. She went online looking for doulas 
um, based on like my price point and just kind of what I wanted. And she started sending out forms to them and told me when to check my email for responses and set up appointments for me. And mind you, she did all this while she was living in Arizona and I was in New York. And so um, I'm definitely grateful to her for all of that because I, at that time, I mean, I was, I think I was looking into the doula at some point in my third trimester. And so I was, it was hard for me to kind of manage everything at that time. I was still working and um, I was going through a lot of um, challenges at work. And also um, my OBGYN went out on disability in the beginning of my third trimester. Oh my gosh. She had to get a knee replacement. And so my friend just kind of was like, all right, here, I'll drive. And she just handled it for me. So I was able to have everything that I need. And thankfully my fiance was like, you know, whatever you want, we'll get it. And so he made sure that um, we had the postpartum doula. And that really speaks so that really speaks volumes to the importance of a support system and oh. having people around you that know and they can pass on that information. Yes. And I just agree. be there. Just, you know, be like, it's okay, you know, this is what you can do. And I mean, there's nothing for me when I think about this whole journey from, you know, pregnancy, labor and delivery, postpartum, um, and breastfeeding and just parenting you know, there's nothing more valuable to me than having a tribe of just support supporters, whether it's like my friends that have actually done it, who can give me some of their experience and, and just empathize with me or like my mom who flew in and spent at this point, she spent like more than two months just like visiting and helping out. Or, you know, I had one friend who came in who, didn't have, didn't have any kids of her own, but she came in, I want to say two weeks after I had the babies and I still was experiencing a lot of swelling and I was like struggling to walk and she just like lotioned down my legs and feet and made me feel like a person again, you know? So I just think about those, you know, having a support system. I, like one of my best friends, she drove from Delaware to New York um the day after I had the babies and just brought us food and she didn't even care that I wasn't even up to like really chat and hang out she just let me sleep in the room and it was like those things are just things I'll probably never forget just because you know it made it made it all that much more easier because it was a difficult you know difficult experience for sure yeah, that transition is really shocking. And then you feel this pressure to like entertain people who are coming over and, you know, kind of be at your best. And yeah. you had these people around you who were just like, you know, you just sit down, just recover. Right. You're recovering yeah. from something huge, like the hugest thing your body can go through. Yeah. So, so you're in the hospital. Let's go back to the hospital. You're, yeah. you're in the hospital and they're, 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 you know, they're, they're, suggesting that you give formula and all that so what what about like day two what what ha what so then what happened after that did you have more struggles did you um I I'm really lucky that I didn't have any more struggles with I didn't have any struggles with them latching um I was concerned about um my production um but I did I <laughs> 
I made sure that I was like trying to self-express um, all the colostrum into this little plastic spoon that we had and was feeding it to the babies that way. Just, I just want to make sure they had everything. Um, but because I took the breastfeeding class before I had the babies, um, I was prepared for them one to offer the formula in the hospital, even if I didn't want it. Um, and so I just was like, okay, if they, if for whatever reason they tell me that they have to give the baby formula, um, which is something that happened with my friend's son. I think his blood sugar was low or something like that. And so they said they had to. And so I was prepared, like, okay, well, you have to give my baby formula. You have to feed it to them in a cup. I don't want any nipple confusion, you know, when I get home. And so um, that's what we did. We did have, we did feed them formula in like supplementing the breast milk for the first um, couple weeks, I believe. And um, everyone that fed baby, so whether it's my my mom or my in-laws or my sister or my cousin, anyone that came around, they wanted to feed the baby. They were feeding the baby formula out of little like measuring cups, the ones that you see on yeah. the top of the syrup. Yeah. I just was not willing to um, potentially cause nipple confusion with the babies. That was something else I was terrified about just after the breastfeeding class. Like the babies are then confused about you know, if they get formula from this bottle and the nipple flows differently than it does in your breast and it's easier that way, then it was just so much. So I was like, yep, we're going to feed them out of these cups. But it was funny because we ordered so many of those cups off Amazon. It was like a pack of like 200 of them. <laughs> <laughs> then we didn't need them after, you know, we only gave them the formula for a couple of weeks. And it, again, it was in supplement of my breast milk. So we really didn't need that many. And so we just really have a lot of those left over now, which we use like shot classes, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I, I, I'm silly. I, I probably would have been like, oh, we just need this one and like washed it like every, like all this extra effort. That's a good idea to just get a pack and then you can use them for something else later. Yeah. So, so then, so how long did you have off? So how, how long was your maternity leave? Um, so I had New York State law effective January 1st, 2018, which was when I delivered, well, that the year that I delivered, was you get eight weeks paid. Hmm. Um, and then you could take up to four additional weeks unpaid, meaning that your job will not pay you. You still have access to your benefits, which you have to pay for, um, but they have to hold your job for you. And so I took the full 12 weeks. Um, the first six weeks were paid under my current salary. The additional two weeks were at some decreased rate. And then the additional four were um, completely unpaid. But I took every day that I could. I think I even might have taken an extra day by accident. But, <laughs> yeah, I took all the time that I, I felt I needed um, for myself, for the babies, all of that. I mean, I couldn't imagine going back anytime earlier than that. I remember when I had my postpartum checkup at around six weeks, um, my doctor was like, okay, you know, you're clear for everything. You can exercise, you know, all of that. And I was like, okay. And I still waited two more weeks before I, I tried to do any sort of exercise. And my fiance and I went for a run. Well, we attempted to run one morning and I was in pain. Yeah. Um, and this was eight weeks postpartum after a 
you know, routine vaginal delivery. And so I just think about, you know, if I had gone back to work any sooner, especially in the type of work that I do, it just would have, it would have been too soon. And so I'm grateful that I was able to take those additional four weeks um, unpaid because it would have been too early otherwise, I believe. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a shame that like we have to really be fighting this week by week. I mean, in this country, the maternity leave is just awful. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, people are, people are recovering, you know, and and if you have a C-section, I mean, recovering is so, so much harder and people are going back to work at four weeks, six weeks when they're literally still hurting. It's, I can't imagine. It, it's too early. And then it's it's really early for the babies too. Yeah. You know, think about like for me, thankfully, I, I lived just seven minutes away from my job. And so I came home from my break. Um, oh my gosh, that's nothing, awesome. Yeah, it was nothing for me to come like to rush home if anything were to happen, any of that. But um, you know, I've known people that have worked an hour away and like what do you do in those cases? it's really tough. And then, you know, I I remember I read this post on Facebook a few weeks back that was like, you know, we expect, well, in some states it's illegal to adopt a dog before it's 12 weeks. Yeah. We expect women to go back and leave their babies at home with, with some other caregiver as early as four to six weeks, which is just crazy, you know? It's true. It's absolutely true. When you put things into perspective like that and you can compare it to other things like, you know, the rights of animals and stuff, which I'm not saying they shouldn't have those rights, you know, that should be there, but it should be there for humans too. Exactly. Uh, So do you, do you pump? I do. Um, Yeah, I've been breastfeeding now um, for 10 months. Babies will be 10 months on Friday. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I'm still nursing. Um, everyone keeps asking me how long I'm going to nurse. And I'm like, when they want to stop, we'll stop. But for now, I'm going to keep nursing. Um, you know, I, I actually do love nursing. Pumping part sucks. I hate pumping. <laughs> but nursing is, is great. And um, so, yeah, I pump. Um, I actually, when I went back to work, one of my, there was three women that were pregnant at the same time. And one of them ended up leaving, but one of them returned. And so we had our babies, I think two weeks apart and she became part of my mom tribe at work. And so we would pump together and like have our little pump dates. We'd bring our snacks (laughs) and, you know, we would share just different, um, maybe like a, a tea that we had for nursing or what have you. Um, yeah, so we pumped together and made the experience not as horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, as you know, pumping is, is it's not fun. But no. We, our babies need the milk and we're going to be away from them for some periods of time. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that's not fun, but you got to do it. Right. So you were in the hospital and you had that freaky incident with the giant hospital pump. Did that did that affect you later on when you're like, oh, I have to pump? Were you like nervous because of that? Was that like, cause you know, sometimes those things stay with you. You, I was, and I didn't realize until my postpartum doula had, um, you know, she sterilized all my pump stuff and she told me what to do. She was like, oh, you need this pumping bra. Oh, you should do this. 
blah, blah, blah. She set everything up and she's like, all right, well, why don't we try and pump now? Because the babies were sleeping and she's like, they might be asleep for a while. You might as well try and pump now. And so I was like a little hesitant. I was like, wait, right now? And she's like, yeah, you know, why not? And I was like, okay. And so I put it on. And before I turned it on, I was like, is this going to hurt? <laughs> and she was like, does it hurt when you nurse? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, why don't we try it on the lowest speed? And, you know, and so we tried it and then she's like, okay, are you in pain? And I was like, no, but I think I didn't realize until now that it's probably because I had that incident in the hospital where now I was like worried about whether it was going to be painful, whether or not it was mm-hmm. going to work and all of that. But yeah, it ended up being fine. Um, and I was relieved because I was actually kind of nervous about it. But yeah, it was fine. It was completely fine. I'm um, pumping the first time around. So did you get out of milk, Oh, sorry. What, I'm <laughs> no, sorry. What did you say? Yeah. It was like one fourth of an ounce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, have you struggled with that? Have you been like struggling with the, you know, because so many people do. They're like, I just went back to work and now I feel like my milk supply is going down. And I. Oh, well, that for sure happened. I mean, I. I had the boys in July. I went back mid-October and I started back on my period um, beginning of November. Mm. So that's just a testament of like how my supply was decreasing. And it was hard because I, you know, I took it as a a failure. Um, You know, this, like, this is their life form. They're still at this point, they were three months. This is what they need and I wasn't producing it. Um, thankfully I had, um, I mentioned my mom tribe, um, a woman that I work with, her name was Ksenia. She was an angel. She, um, like I said, she had her daughter a couple weeks after I had my boys and this was her second go around. And she, um, had a really good supply and she offered to share her supply with me. So in the, well, even up to today, she still shares a lot of her milk because she doesn't need, she needs half of what I need essentially. And she oh, yeah. almost double what I was producing. And so she supp- helped me supplement with that. So I'm so grateful to her for that. because she would That is so wonderful. Bags of milk. And like, it was nothing. I remember my, I I had a pump that wasn't a real good one and it stopped working in the middle of the day. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And she was like, well here. And she literally just gave me the pouch that she had just pumped with like eight ounces of breast milk and was like, here, just take this. And I was like, Oh my, I can't thank you enough. You're feeding my children now. And, um, to this day, she still gives me milk. I, I just, I think I just finished my, my most recent shipment from her of breast milk. So, yeah. That is so amazing. I love those stories. That is just, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody responds differently to a pump, right? I mean, it's not a natural thing to do. Um, You know, so, so it's like, what? I think it's one of the most unnatural things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly there's nothing natural at all about pumping yeah and like so some people you know they respond really well to a pump or they you know they just things just kind of click a certain way and there's just there's enough milk to go around yeah. you know so we'll just help this one over here she has twins you know she's struggling to you know 
to respond to the pump. And that's just amazing to me. Yeah. Again, with the support system and having that community. Mom tribes. Yes, they're so important. They really just change people's breastfeeding journeys. They do. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so they're 10 months. So are you really looking? So are you going to stop pumping at, at, at 12 months? Is that? I don't know. I mean, so right now I'm only pumping once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually pump midday when I'm at work and that way I um, have a bottle for them to have before bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, they're 10 months. So they're eating quite a bit of solid food. I only nurse them two times in the morning and then two times in the evening. So first thing in the morning when they wake up, nurse them again before I leave, nurse them once I get home and then one time before bed. Mm-hmm. And um, and I get home around like 4.30, 5 o'clock-ish. So they, aside from that, they're just, they eat food and they drink water. And so um, thankfully they don't need as much milk. I definitely know people whose babies are, like my, my friend Michelle, her son didn't eat food until he was a year. So she really had to keep up with his appetite at like yeah. months and had to produce a lot of breast milk. But thankfully they don't need as much anymore. Um, and so I don't have to pump as much, but, um, I don't know when I'm going to stop pumping. I mean, I don't like to pump, but I think in the back of my mind, I'm afraid to stop pumping and then not produce as much. So I, I've never had an excess. I've never had any oversupply just because I feel like I was always playing catch up. Like for instance, I was telling you that I worked so close to home that I would come home and I would come home and nurse. And like each bottle that I pumped during the day, like when I was pumping multiple times a day, they would need it within the next few hours. Mm. So because of all of that, I think I'm still a little nervous to stop pumping just quite yet, but we'll yeah. see. Well, well see. you don't have to make the decision, you know, when yeah. it, you'll know when it feels right to do right. that. Yeah. So, so at 10 months, I mean, do you, so is, do you think, are things going really well? Do you, are there any struggles that you're going through right now? Do you hear any kind of, you know, well, I mean, everybody kind of hears the, when are you going to stop? I, um, it's funny. My mother-in-law asked me the other week if I was going to stop when they, when they turn one. And I was like, no, <laughs> just like, well, no. <laughs> and so she was like, well, how long do you want to breastfeed? And I was like, well, you know, however long they want, but like in the back of my mind, I wanted to breastfeed for two years. That was my goal. And different women have different goals based on just, you know, their family's needs and for themselves and things like that. But for me, it was personally two years. When I went to these breastfeeding classes, they said that, you know, they recommend that you breastfeed for two years, obviously not exclusively, but you know, it's breast milk is still good for them past the age of one. And so I wanted to give them everything that they could possibly need, all the nutrients that are going to nourish their bodies. I want them to have them. Like in the back of my mind, I'm like, they deserve that. As much as I hate pumping, I should still at least try. And so I'm going to go as long as I possibly can, um, which ultimately means that I really can't spend too much time away from them. But Mm -hmm. I don't intend to do that necessarily yet anyway. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. You're right. Everybody's got different goals based on whatever, just their individual life circumstances. And so, well, I hope I wish you the absolute best 
Thank you. It sounds like you're such a great advocate for yourself. I mean, that's really inspiring. And you have such a great support system, which, again, is really inspiring. And I'm so happy that you have that for yourself. We all have our different experiences. And I think that all of our stories are so important to share. Um, And if for no other reason, just getting the word out about like what is normal in parenting and pregnancy and breastfeeding. Um, And so I just want you guys to continue to share stories. And I hope that this encourages other women to share their stories and not feel ashamed about any struggles they might have along the way because they're all very normal. Um, But I, I switched jobs partway through. And so where I work out of now is like a co-working space. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with like WeWork offices, um, but it's along the lines of a WeWork. It's just called The Alley. And this is the only co-working space in New York that has a nursery. So actually, whereas before I was working at a school, like my friend, my work friend and I would get together in this like supply closet and (laughs) come together. I actually have a full on nursery now. When I say nursery, I mean, there's a changing table, there's a refrigerator, there's pillows, there's a rocking chair. And so that's where, this is where I am now. But yes, yeah, usually where I pump. So it's actually really comfortable. It's really nice that they have this here. And it just, it just so happened that they had it when I was looking for a co-working office. And I was like, yep, this is where I'm going to be because you guys are catering to, you know, working moms. And so, yeah. That's so awesome. I don't know why places can't just get on board and do stuff like that. It's not like they don't have the space. You know, there's always some like place somewhere that can be cleaned up and set up like that. I mean, this room itself is probably like an eight by 14 room that they, oh, wow. Let's make this into comfortable for the mothers. And it, you know, it has a door that locks and this is like a four floor office building, but there's only a handful of us that use it. So, you know, it works out really well that we're able to have access to this room and be comfortable and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And then you will, you will want to stay there and keep working there. Like if employees are treated, you know, with respect and, and given the things that they need, people are actually more loyal to their employers. And then that provide that feeding journey like it, it makes it not as difficult for me you know like it's not a hassle it's like oh, where am I going to pump oh that room is cold or you know I'm like all right I have this comfortable room I know it's available to me I can just pump whenever I need to go pump and it makes it all that much easier so I'm grateful for sure that was awesome she's awesome she is so amazing and inspiring and I it was so great to talk to her I hope she really, you know, I've had a couple of people recently that um, are pregnant with twins that I encourage them to listen to our, you know, our show on multiples. And Mm -hmm. I just, it is such a lonely thing to be breastfeeding twins. And I breastfed twins. There was nobody to really talk to about it. And it is so empowering to know that, like, she's got a voice out there. And yes, I know. We need, we need more people there to talk about it because we need to people to know that you can do it in target with yeah. your twins. Come <laughs> right. on. You can. It's awesome. Thank you, Erica. Please head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com 
And you can find all of our other episodes, as well as our breastfeeding resources, all, as well as sponsors, promo codes, and you can find out your information about send, signing up for your lactation consultation with Diane. And also, if you put your review in the iTunes review section, you might be our review of the week. That's right. Bye. Bye. Bye.